chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, August 14th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Dan Rubin. Yes, that is right. And Dan and I are going to try and do this most Mondays during the season. Probably every Monday. Are we going to do every Monday, Dan? Have we committed to that? Have we, have we made it that official? I think we just did. I think we just did. There you go. So we're going to try and do this every Monday. We're going to do it every Monday during the season. Dan and Dave every Monday. Um, want to start off today's show... By telling you guys about our sponsor, we've been talking about them a lot. It's a great company, Manscaped.com. I'm a big fan of it. I'm a customer. I love it. There's a reason this company has blown up and is the top comp- top company for men's grooming. You know, we, Patrick Murphy loves it. I know Bill Curlick loves it. Um, yeah. So, listen, I'm, I'm serious. Like, all my friends who use this product love it. I'm a customer. I love it. And you don't have to leave your house. They're going to deliver it right to your door. Uh, in fact, speaking of delivering right to your door, you can get free shipping right now thanks to the Bucknuts Morning 5 and their sponsorship. Go to manscaped.com, use code BUCKNUTS, you get 20% off and free shipping. That's right, 20% off and free shipping, so go to manscaped.com, code BUCKNUTS, 20% off, free shipping. So, I mean, as I said, there's a reason this company continues to blow up. Unlock your confidence, always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, let's get to football. We're going to talk a lot about preseason camp, but I want to start off talking about Brian Hartline as we uh, joke about. They're the three certainties of life, Dan. It's uh, death taxes and Brian Hartline kicking ass in wide receiver recruiting. Landed another one, Jeremiah McClellan, number 17 wide receiver in the country. So they now have the two five stars. They got the number one receiver in the country. They got the number six wide receiver in the country. And now they got the number 17 wide receiver in the country. I mean, the beat goes on for our guy, uh, Coach Hart. I mean, he's on a run now that literally, if you pan back, there may be a better run at one position that has existed in the history of college football. If you base it like on production that the guys came in and did and then went to the NFL and uh, kicked butt too. So it's, I get it. It's gotten to the point now where I, I, it's unfortunate, but our users are nonplussed by elite future NFL draft picks joining the team. Everyone wants defensive ends, and I get that. But um, if you want to keep the main thing the main thing, the guy is doing the, uh, just an, un, an unprecedented job. And it's not going to end. Um, we know what they've got coming in that class after this one. We know about Carnell Tate and uh, the rest of the crew that's there now. So I don't think it's any leap to say that Hartline is right now recruiting at a level, at least for an assistant coach, uh, better than anyone I've ever seen. It's 
pretty insane. Um, yeah, and it's it's so multifaceted. I mean, he's everything, his personality, the fact that he played the position and played at the highest level, didn't just play it at Ohio State, played it in the and played well in the NFL too. Back to back thousand yard seasons. I think that gets lost in the shuffle when he was with the Dolphins with somebody named Joe Philbin as his uh uh head coach. And then, you know, just how he's produced wide receivers at Ohio State, how he coaches them up. And the draft is just an infomercial every year, as we know, for Ohio State for Ohio State wide receivers. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, Dave, now, I'm gonna have Dave, hold on a second. I'm gonna have Dane Brugler from the Athletic on the show on Thursday. Mm-hmm. He's an NFL draft guru. Because what made me think of that is, uh, as good as the draft has been, it will be better if everything holds true this time around than ever before. And that's after their receivers got picked first and were the top two receivers in voting for offensive uh, rookie of the year. So. Yeah, it's unprecedented. The last, I mean, I've told you this, Rick Spielman compared, everyone knows Marvin Harrison has, has been compared to, you know, Julio Jones at all. But like I told you, Rick Spielman of CBS compared Emeka Egbuka to your guy, Jamar Chase. So to have those two guys in one class, and they are projected to be the, you know, two All-American receivers. So the rich get richer. Yeah, I don't know if it's the number 18, but he he uh Marvin always reminds me of young AJ Green. Mm-hmm. AJ Green at Georgia, AJ Green first 5 years with the Bengals. Um but dare I say better than that? <laughs> I don't say that lightly. AJ Green's career last few years not good, but early in his career it was fantastic. Came in Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl. I mean, I think 5 straight years he was in the Pro Bowl, maybe more than that. Um that's it's what Marvin time. reminds me of, but better. But better. It's crazy. Um, okay. Um, one more recruiting thing, then we'll move on. Edric Houston, what's your vibe there? Um, obviously, we're not the recruiting insiders, but we talk to all the recruiting insiders. So just curious to get your vibe there. Edric Houston, I think they you know, they don't have to land him. Man, it'd be nice to land him. I don't know if you could say have to. If you ever were going to say have to, it's probably here. I wonder if we've not exaggerated a little bit how good Edric Houston is because of our need for him. Um I would mention that Arvell Reese has switched to defensive end at the big club. And that's like adding a big time defensive end, not in the classic uh, sense where we get to get exalted about an, an addition because we thought he was a linebacker, but long-term, I think that may assuage a lot of fears. I, I'm going to go with, like I said, I'll go with the Dean. Um, I'm on team Dean until that's further usually, notice. That's usually a good idea, isn't it? And the team, uh, like the Dean had in the Jeremiah McClellan, I think when the guy was in the ninth grade and that came true, there have been some others that have been curveballs. Listen, when you're competing at this level for this level of recruit in this era, literally anything is possible for those of you during the KJ Bolden recruitment that thought Florida state was going to win it. um, I would appreciate some uh, value put into you. But aside from that, uh, as I, as I go solo here for a sec without Dave, um, I would think Edric Houston is in the close to a must-get category as he could be. Dave, my life flashed before my eyes there. But, yes, I hope Edric <laughs> Houston is Buckeye. And I, until further notice, I'll expect him to be. I was just going to put it on mute. I had to tell my uh, my youngest daughter, um, man, school starts soon, so they'll be at school at this time usually. But now they have one more full week, and uh, she didn't know. But my youngest daughter um, yelled down here to the man cave slash my office and uh, – was like dad and i had to like uh 
I know the drill. I'm doing a live podcast. So now I'm probably just embarrassed her. Chelsea, if you want to come down and be on the live podcast, you can. We're just we're gonna be talking O line. I know that's your specialty. She mm-hmm. really, she's really into the Buckeyes O line. So she's I'll bring my there. teenage daughter in here, and it'll be the most awkward six minutes of radio ever. She'll just want to talk about Taylor Swift if I bring her down here. So maybe that'd be maybe that'd be okay too. Just shake I'll it off. You. Just got to shake that one off a little bit. All right, let's get into. I want to talk about camp. I mean, we're 19 days away from the opener. I cannot wait. Ohio Stadium West. Bloomington, Indiana, Memorial Stadium. Um, I mean, every time I'm over there, it's no surprise. But you don't have to go over there to know this. It's you know more than half Ohio State fans, if not 70, 30. It's awesome. Um, so latest buzz from camp. Where do we want to start? What you know, I'm trying to think of things that have really jumped out to me. I'm a little surprised. I like his candor. I was a little surprised that Ryan Day were like, these are the four guys that are going for the two tackle jobs. Like Zen is not in it. <laughs> I was like, wow, Zen's not even in the in the top four. Okay. But it's uh, Jimmy Simmons. They like Jimmy Simmons. And they like Josh Fryer. It looks like those guys are going to be the starters, Dan. Um, and then Tegra is in the mix. And Luke Montgomery's been certainly a story of camp. So that's definitely stood out to me. Yeah, especially because I don't remember. Maybe you said it. I don't remember anyone saying they thought Jimmy Simmons was going to be the left tackle. And – you know, Fryer would be on the right. I had assumed that Fryer was going to be the left and uh, Jimmy on the right. Um, Jimmy, of course, being Josh Simmons. I had to learn his name was Jimmy. But Jimmy. I'm very hopeful. I think the interior of interior of the line is good enough that uh, I'm comfortable with all three spots there. You got the returnees at the guard and then uh, the center uh, – you know, that's, that's a lot to ask of a young guy to come in there, Hinsman like that, but but uh, we shall see. But I would say Josh Simmons at left tackle definitely surprises me. And look, the offensive line is really now, I think it's fair to say, the biggest unknown on the team. I'm going to give Ryan Day and his newest disciple the benefit of the doubt at quarterback. I'm not saying we're going to get C.J. Stroud in there or Justin Fields, but I think we'll get high-quality quarterback play just because of what they've done. But the offensive line is definitely what um, – I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I'm just interested because we haven't seen it yet. That's what I was saying. Now I'm concerned. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it's – I think, you know, I, I am getting some 2014 vibes where I feel like they're going to – they might struggle early, but they're going to get their act together, hopefully by week four. Right. Certainly by the end of the year, hopefully, definitely by uh, the twelfth game, um, and I, I think I do believe in Justin Fry, and I like some of these guys they have working with the offensive line. Um, they've got a grad assistant; you know, he might be quality control actually, who was just as vocal as Justin Fry when we were out there at practice. All of practice was open on Friday. Joe Philbin, of course, working with the entire offense as an analyst, and but his specialty is the offensive line. Such a luxury having a former NFL head coach and longtime NFL offensive coordinator. Um, and a longtime NFL O-line coach as an analyst right out of the Saban playbook. I love that Ryan Day did that. But I'm concerned. When you have a Mekek Buka, basically he was yelling at the whole group. You know, they split the, the teams up on two fields, which they, they, this is the first time they've ever done that in camp, including Trestle since I've covered the team. Trestle era, one-year fickle, urban era, and even the first four years of day because they want to get Brown and McCord reps. We'll get to quarterbacks in a little bit, my friends. They want to get those guys even reps. So, and as many reps as possible, that's why they're doing that. <clears throat> so you had Marvin on one side, uh, on one field, and you had a mech on one side. Uh, you know, it wasn't just Devin and McCord. They really tried to split them up. 
Um, although I did find it interesting, it seemed like the first team offensive line stayed together. I guess they went cohesion there. Well, as we all know by now, Mecca finishes practice. We're getting ready to leave, and Mecca's chewing out his everybody and great leadership. Great leadership out of him. It was really directed at the O line. So now I am concerned, Dan. Am I like sounding alarms? I'm not. We're 19 days away from the opener. Um, there's still questions there. I didn't think Jimmy Simmons was going to step right in and be a starter. Um, we'll see. Maybe I'll be totally wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this great this group is a strength, and they're going to be fine against Indiana and Youngstown State and Western Kentucky. But how, are they going to be fine against Michigan? Are they going to be fine against Michigan? That's what I want to know, and I don't. I, I'm concerned about it. It's not. I'm not like a, like a ten. You know, I'm I'm like it, but I am like a seven on a one to scale, ten scale, with ten being sound some alarms. I think that's fair, uh, Dave. I don't know if you know this, but I'm also a Cowboys fan. And training camp last year, I learned a lesson. When you're going up, when your defense is really, really good and you're going up against them every day, you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt. So this is also hopeful, I might add. I'm, I'm weaving in both fandom and hopefulness here. The defensive line for Ohio State is better than it has been player for player than, than a long time. Now, I'm not saying they're going to produce on the field like their, uh, the back of their baseball card right now, but if you go down the line with, you know, Trumola and Jack Sawyer, the guys on the inside, that's no easy feat to go up against them every day. So they're not – I mean, our offensive line is not going to go up against a defensive line like that probably until uh, they go to Ann Arbor. So I'm hoping that's a majority of the factor, just that – they're having to get used to getting going against a great uh, setup on defense. And also, I think we always know this, a new offensive line just takes some time to come together. It's not, you know, four smoke breathers going after the quarterback. There's there's continuity. There's learning the scheme. Like we said, uh, there's guys who thought they were right tackle playing left tackle. So, yes, I'm a little bit concerned, like you said. Um, I'm hoping – that's just Emeka trying to motivate to go the last five or six yards, not the I'm scared for my life, so you better protect. But um, it's one of the things where you're not going to know. It's That's the thing with offensive line is you really don't know until you get going. I think with skill, talent, and things that are out there on an island, which you can see a little better, we do. We don't have the great Dwayne Long here to break it down for me. I used to just rely on Dwayne with the big dogs, but um, – I don't think there's any question. It's it's the biggest unknown on the team right now. Another unknown, but maybe it won't be unknown for long, and I don't really think it's unknown. I know Ryan Day knows right now who his guy is. He knew entering camp who his guy was. Probably knew in spring who his guy was. But uh, do we think he is going to name a starting quarterback this week? In fact, Ryan Day meets with the media today. As soon as I get the show up, um, I'm going to head on over to Ohio State. Maybe not right away. we got to be there. Press conference starts at 1130 a.m. Eastern today, Ryan Day meeting with the media today. Some have speculated since he was originally supposed to meet, meet with us, Dan, on Wednesday, and Jerry Emick bumped it up to today. People are thinking, oh, maybe he's going to name a starting quarterback, and maybe he still will, although, you know, we'll see. They say that he just wants to talk about the scrimmage, um, but I'm curious to hear, hear what he says about the quarterbacks, and if he doesn't name a starter. Do you think it's McCord? I do. And do you think Ryan Day is going to name a starter sometime this week? I'll defer to you on when Ryan Day will do that. Um, that's an interesting topic in and of itself. You know, we thought coming into the season he may 
hold off as long as possible to keep Devin Brown locked in. I don't think there's any concern now that Devin Brown would bail if he's not the starter by any stretch. Right. If for no other reason, he just doesn't seem like that type of dude. Um, this is actually, to me, a little bit more media-driven than anything else, just because if you, if you just literally look at the facts, Kyle McCord's rating when he was coming out of high school, um, Kyle McCord's pedigree, Kyle McCord, um, you know, the fact that Ryan Day chose him personally over J.J. McCarthy and, you know, the benefit of the doubt that Ryan Day has earned with his quarterbacks – I really am not that concerned with the quarterback position. I don't, like you said, I always have assumed it would be Kyle McCord just based on that's kind of the natural flow of things. And we haven't heard, I think we would have heard more coming out. I think they would have built themselves an argument over time had they wanted to do that. Um, but I literally have no fear about the quarterback position. Uh, is he going to be CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord? Uh, it's possible. There's no, I mean, Kyle McCord could win the Heisman Trophy this year. People talk about that like it's outlandish. That's not outlandish. He has an absolute avenue to do it. Now, I'm not saying he will, but uh, I think we've over, like people are talking about Ohio State's quarterback situation. I told you about this, Dave. I don't understand it. Like it's worse than Georgia's or Alabama's when you really consider those the teams are going after. That's just not accurate. He's a better prospect with more experience playing for a guy with, traditionally better quarterback development. So I'm not worried about quarterback. I'm not either. You you hit the nail nail on the head there. And I was actually going to finish with this topic to end the show, but like, I'm going to jump to it now since you touched on it. And then we'll jump back to talking more about the camp stuff like uh, Carnell Tate and Julian Fleming. We'll get to that in a moment, but since you brought it up and this was your idea and you, you know, we were texting back and forth. It's like, we should talk about whether or not, Ohio State and Michigan should be ranked ahead of Alabama and Georgia because of the quarterback situations at, you know, the latter two schools. When Tyler Buckner might be your starting quarterback, you have issues. You have issues. And you can say Ohio State has issues. Not really. They just have two good guys that they really like. Again, like you were saying, is it are these guys going to be Heisman finalists? Whoever wins that job, probably Kyle McCord. We'll find out. As you mentioned, it's not a long shot. I think his he's got like the seventh shortest odds to win the Heisman, sixth shortest, eighth, right around there. Kyle McCord's like in the top eight right now entering the season as far as Vegas odds to win the Heisman Trophy. So it's night and day compared to what Ohio State's doing breaking in a new quarterback and what Alabama and Georgia are doing breaking in a new quarterback, it sounds like. We'll see what happens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that I thought that was a real interesting topic you brought up. Who are their receivers, too, by the way? Keep in mind, it's that quarterback is a largely dependent position in some ways. You know what I'm saying? Who are their receivers? Who's their tight end? Who are their running backs? Ohio State's better at receiver, tight end, and running back than they've been since when, Dave? How about all at one time? We haven't discussed that. Like, yes, we. you want to make the argument that uh, I guess there'll be a classic argument of there's going to be a dynamic duo receiver argument. Do you like, you know, Harrison and Igbuka more than Olave and Wilson and, you know, going back? Do you, We went into the national champion, or the, I always say that, the semis last year. With it you really know, was the national a walk on as a running back getting carries and a transfer who was a linebacker at another school, when now your four string running back was nationally rated, you know, Nevin Pryor. So I think there's is CJ Stroud the quarterback this year? No. Is there an inexperienced guy going in there? Yes. But it's not like it's a guy who's never played quarterback. It's a five star who's been in the program with the greatest quarterback coach going. 
throwing to his high school buddy who might be the best receiver in 10 years. And by the way, the second receiver is also going to be a number 10, the top 10 pick. And the tight end is probably the best we've had in a while. So I think, yes, the offensive line is a little bit of a question. But uh, come on, man. We've overcorrected on the negative here. One of the many great things about Marv, and there's like a million great things about Marv, is we don't have to drive the hype train. All we have to do is quote people like Dane Brugler, who again is going to be on the show Thursday. Do I have that right? right. Correct. This Thursday, longtime Bucknuts Morning 5 guest, Dane Brugler. I mean, Dan, you know, formed a friendship with Dane way before Dane like blew up as the superstar he is now. Um, that was a draft been... nerd getting always... access to his job. That's all that was. And it just worked out. Yeah. And you and I are both draft nerds. And I, not to his extent, he's. He's so good at it. But you, you have guys like Dane Brugler saying, Marvin Harrison is the best wide receiver um, prospect that I have ever scouted. You have right. Joel Platt, who I think his opinion carries a lot of weight, in my opinion, um, saying things like he's going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL here in four years or less. I mean, it's just crazy some of the things said about Marvin Harrison. Let's, And it's true. And then you got Emeka as the number two. I mean, life is good. Let's talk about number three. And I wrote about this a little bit in my depth chart. I, proje I projected the depth chart. I put Julian Fleming third, but I put Carnell Tate fourth. And then I, in my analysis, I said, I won't be surprised if Tate gives Fleming a serious run. And I'll say this. That's nothing against Fleming. I thought he had a really good year last year as a junior. It was kind of what I was finally expecting. That He made some tough catches. He's a tough dude. He's athletic. There was a reason he was the number one wide receiver recruit in the country in his class with a class that had guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba in it. So, um, but man, I, I, I think Carnell Tate can make a push here. I'll tell you what, I've said this before. We met Carnell Tate, uh, at the foundation, uh, fundraiser a while back. Mm -hmm. And he was the one of all the guys there that just presence wise impressed mm -hmm. me the most. Um, like you said, he looks you right in the eye. Now he has been through a ton since then. And the fact that he is still producing given, I mean, think about the dream you have to go play in college and you share that with your family and you're there and you lose your mom in such tragic fashion. So no matter what happens this year, you know, my heart is with Carnell Tate, but his talent level at the same time, there's, there's times you, we hear about guys in practice and then there's times I can tell some guy walked out of practice and could not wait to call us to tell us what he's seen. Like he knows he's seen something and that is Carnell Tate. So I will say this, when you see them in person, if you were to stand next to him, Julian Fleming looks like a linebacker and Carnell Tate looks like an 18 year old right now. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Julian Tate, Julian Fleming, who's Julian Tate. Uh, I didn't Fleming, even correct you. Was Julian just, I, I, I was just nodding along with you. I wasn't even going to correct you. Julian Tate. Julian yeah. Fleming's arms are noteworthy. I mean, he looks like he could be in a bodybuilding contest. I'm not even slightly exaggerating that. Yeah, you're right. Um, from a physical yeah. perspective. So, he has an, a, a really bright future, even if he doesn't start this year or gets beat out. I still think he'll be a top two or three round draft pick, and, and I wouldn't mind him coming to the Cowboys. But Cardinal Tate has that look to me of kind of like Garrett Wilson in that he just felt like he belonged day one. You know that vibe you get when the ball goes in the air and you're like, he's coming down with it. To me, Garrett Wilson, even more than Jackson Smith and Jigba, when the ball went in the air, I'd be like, that's his. And you can even see it now in the pros. He just gives you that sense of confidence. Tate's that guy, too. So I, I mentioned this as well. I don't think it would hurt the recruitment of Jeremiah Smith if Carnell Tate got some extended snaps this year. 
And uh, with one eye on the future and how good that dude is, I wouldn't mind uh, doing that. But like I said, if at the same time, if Julian Fleming goes out and has like a borderline all Big Ten season, that wouldn't surprise me either. We're kind of doubling back on the embarrassment of riches at quarter uh, wide receiver. And we know X Man's going to be out there a lot. Xavier Johnson, Jaden Ballard's going to be in the mix. He can take the top off the defense, and they like some of the uh, they like the entire freshman class. Brandon Ennis in the slot. Mm. Noah Rogers, I believe in him. I mean, they might try and redshirt him, but I don't know. Um, everybody forgets about Bryson Rogers. I mean, is these are guys that Brian Hartline handpicked, and Bryson Rogers is a guy with lots of speed. They're just dripping with depth at wide receiver. They still have a couple of second-year guys, Keon Grays and Kojo Antwi. It's unbelievable. You have probably the, the top two wide receivers in the country, and then you got tons of depth behind them. It's amazing. I think that's probably, by the way. I've kind of looked it up. There are people trying to say Romeo O'Dews, the guy at uh, Washington. That feels like a push to me. I think I get it when people are doing their preseason All-American list and both receivers are from Ohio State. You feel like you aren't being creative enough, but you should just go with the truth. We went with the truth here. He is Dan Rubin. Great stuff out of Dan. Again, it's going to be me and Dan every Monday in the Bucknuts Morning 5 during the season. And uh, we're looking forward to that. And again, programming note, Ryan Day today, 11.30 a.m. Press conference after practice. Practice is going on right now. It's obviously closed with the media or I would be there. Um, but we are going to get Ryan Day afterward. He's going to talk about the latest developments from camp. Hopefully he'll give us some insights on quarterback, how things went at the scrimmage, all that good stuff. So keep it locked to Bucknuts for all of that. Thanks again to Dan Rubin. Thanks to all of you. We appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day.